Going Steady. Copyright Saranya Murthy, 2018. May 15, 2018. Emma and I have been going out for a month now. I haven't had much time for journaling. It's been going really well. I'm going to ask her to be exclusive. Of course, the family is all agog to find out who she is. I must say they've behaved pretty well on the whole. There was a time when Allison would have scavenged my backpack or snooped through my phone, but this time, everyone's keeping their distance until I see fit to disclose, which is kind of cool. This morning was funny. I was rushing about trying to get ready for school. Classes have become something of a distant afterthought. I mostly go to school just to see Emma. Hey Jason, how about shooting some hoops after school? Dad asked. No can do, I said. I have a date. Ooh, Stevie said, out of sheer habit. Come on, you can meet up with her afterwards, Dad cajoled. Whoa, Dad, you do not just meet up with a girl like Emma the way you'd meet up with someone looking to sell you a basketball off of Craigslist, I remonstrated. She has to be wooed, courted, pursued, piqued. This happens to be a matter of great delicacy and finesse. I shrugged. You couldn't possibly understand. Dad's amused expression underwent a rapid change. I couldn't possibly understand, he demanded. What, you think this is foreign territory to me? Dad, you've been out of circulation so long, you've forgotten how the game is even played. Hey, I invented the game, Dad protested. Look, I don't deny you ran with the pack once, I said, and he looked a little pleased. But let's face it, Mom here, I jetted my chin at her, is so low maintenance, you've probably forgotten everything you ever knew. Dad was at a complete loss for words. Mom and the girls were attempting, not all that successfully, to suppress their laughter. Your mother is not low maintenance, Dad finally said. He might have seen how well this was apt to go down. What, I'm high maintenance? Mom demanded. Boy, are you in trouble, Stevie murmured as Dad looked for a way to dig himself out of this hole. No, of course not, he said to Mom. So what's left? I'm medium maintenance, she teased. Dad glowered at me as if the whole thing were my fault. You are grounded, he said. What for? I laughed. I'll think of something, he assured me. Oh, ignore him. He's just jealous. Mom sat up and handed me a $50 bill. Here, go. Be young and dramatic and romantic, she decreed, waving me forth as if on a quest. Thanks, Mom, I said, delighted with the unexpected windfall. I ran out of there, leaving Dad grumbling in my wake. Incoming call. Copyright Serenia Murthy, 2018. June 3rd, 2018. I was thinking over my quarrel with Emma and trying to remember where my antipathy with the phone first began, and something started to come back to me. I was in first grade. In the afternoons after school, I'd just be playing on the floor or doing something with my sisters. Sometimes we'd be loud and sometimes we'd be quiet. Our parents didn't really care. Then the phone would ring. Its shrill shriek would cut through the air, and I'd freeze, knowing what was coming. Dad would have a conversation, and then he'd stomp over. The floor would vibrate. The girls would scatter. They'd have to. And I'd be left alone, small and shaken. Angry words would fall around me, and I'd tremble and then get yelled at for it, which would only make it worse.
and I'd be left alone, small, and shaken. Angry words would fall around me, and I'd tremble, and then get yelled at for yelled at for it, which would only make it worse. Sometimes Dad would just yell. Sometimes he'd reach down and shake me, and sometimes he'd hit me, and I'd have to man up and not cry. Either way, I'd get sent to bed without supper, and so I'd learn to dread when the phone rang, knowing that it was my teacher calling to complain about me. And Dad would just believe what she said, and there was nothing I could do about it. And she'd call pretty much every day. I knew when Monday came that I wasn't going to see dinner until Saturday. I made the most of lunch because I knew it would be my last big meal of the day. If it hadn't been for Allison, I would have starved. But being hungry wasn't so bad. As long as Dad didn't hit me, I counted it a good day, because he was strong and powerful, and I think he didn't realize how he felt to someone less than a quarter of his age and size. I think when he got angry, he forgot just how little I really was. One day was especially bad. It was Saturday. Mom had taken the girls on a trip to Vermont. One of her aunts had died, and she had to see to things. Dad and I were alone at home. I didn't think this was a big deal. My teacher had never called on Saturday before. I was playing with my Legos on the red carpet. It was a sunny day. Dad was reading the paper. There was no reason for me to dread anything. It was a normal Saturday morning. The only difference was Mom and the girls weren't there, but I wasn't scared of being alone with Dad. The thought never entered my mind. The phone rang. I shuddered out of sheer habit, then remembered it was Saturday and went on playing. Dad answered, and I heard one side of the conversation. I didn't understand it, but his responses made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. If I had any sense about me, I would have run away. But then again, where could I have run to that Dad wouldn't find me? Dad hung up the phone with a click. Something about it felt ominous. Something about the sound felt ominous. Jason, come here! He commanded sharply. I put down my Lego blocks and went. I could tell he was mad, and it would serve me better to be prompt and obedient. He might go easier on me. I stood in front of him, hands clasped in front of me. He didn't say anything; just looked at me for several seconds. I felt my heart twinge. That was your teacher, I heard him say. I mentally prepared myself for the usual onslaught. My only thought was, it was early in the morning, so if I was sent to bed, I'd miss lunch and dinner, and there was no Allison to sneak anything up to me. This was a little alarming. This time, I might actually starve. Then I saw Dad taking off his belt. I'm fed up with all these complaints, he said. It's time I taught you a lesson. I flinched. He took a step toward me. Hold out your hand, he said. Involuntarily, I shrunk back and put my hand behind me. He took a step closer. I took a step back, and pretty soon I was against the wall. No, Dad, please! I begged, shaking my head. I knew it would hurt. He was inexorable. He kept telling me to hold out my hand. I was frightened and kept both hands behind me. I didn't do anything. I pleaded softly. I promise. He didn't believe me. He didn't say anything, but he didn't have to. I just felt it. After a couple more commands, he reached out and took my right hand. After a couple more commands, he reached out and took my right hand out from behind me. He was gentle enough. At first, he opened my palm. My hand was curled up in a tight fist and held it in his own hand. He seemed to be contemplating something hard. My mouth was dry and I was blinking hard, trying not to cry. 
Please, Dad, I entreated, trying unsuccessfully to pull my hand back. He lifted the belt, and I saw the buckle shine where the sunlight caught it. When it hit my open palm with all the force of Dad and gravity, I opened my mouth and screamed. I'd thought getting hit with a cane at school was bad. This was like nothing I'd ever felt before. Tears streamed down my cheeks, and I chased... Tears streamed down my cheeks and I tasted salt water. I hiccuped. My yell seemed to energize Dad and he hit me again. And again. I tried to pull my right hand away with my left, but I couldn't. Dad was strong and I was small. And he was using all his strength against me. I didn't know how I knew, but I knew somehow that he was coming at me with everything he had. And even at that age, I knew it was excessive. A man of his years, strength, and intellect had other, more moderate ways of bending me to his will. I was just a little kid. Why was he attacking me as though I were his equal in strength and valor? I was blinded by my tears and deafened by my screaming. When my hands started to bleed, I couldn't see it, but I could feel it, and I just bawled. Dad let go of my hand, and I crumpled, sobbing to the floor. I was squeezing it tight, trying to stop the bleeding and crying. I thought Dad would stop then, but he kept laying into me even as I lay there on the floor, huddled in a heap, covering my bleeding hand under me so that he couldn't hurt it anymore. The belt came down on my back, arms, bottom, and feet. It cut through my shirt fabric to the skin underneath. Once it hit my head and I just howled like a wounded wolf. Once the buckle hit my head and I just howled like a wounded wolf. I covered my head with my good hand and tried to keep it safe because that pain was worse than anything I'd felt yet. I could already feel the lump forming. It really felt like he was trying to rub me off the face of the earth. When we'd watched the king and I, I'd been fascinated with the king's indictment of an errant servant girl. Whip till death. Two men held her arms while he started to do it. Anna threw herself in his path to save the girl's life. But there were no women in the house to save me. Finally, Dad's strength ran out, and this was a man who had run a marathon the last week. I heard him take a deep, raggedy breath and sensed him straighten up from bending over me. Now that the intensity of the battle was over, I could feel my wounds starting to sting and throb. I knew they were several and severe. I still didn't dare to get up or even look up. I kept my face buried in my arms, determined not to move or stir until I was sure I could without its hurting too much. Dad did something I have never forgotten. He spat at me. Well, near me. I didn't see it, but I heard him do it and I heard it land. He didn't have to spit at me. That's something you do to your enemies, people you really hate and want removed from this earth. I was his flesh and blood, his only son. No matter what Sister Anne Margaret said about me, I'd always be his son. Why couldn't he understand that? Dad left. I heard his footsteps die away. I silently counted to a hundred before untangling myself and stumbling unsteadily to my feet. I looked myself over. The blood had dried on my hand. It wasn't bleeding anymore. My shirt was ripped all over from where the buckle had torn it. It was past mending. Grandpa had given it to me. I couldn't wear it again. There were open cuts all over my skin. I was surprised to find I could still walk. I walked carefully to the bathroom. I was sticky from the blood and something else. I was usually pretty good at holding it, but when Dad was hitting me, I lost all control and had gone to the bathroom all over myself. I felt ashamed, dirty, and smelly. No wonder Dad hated me and wanted to get rid of me. At least it was only liquid. 
I undressed. I threw Grandpa's shirt in the trash. I put my t-shirt, my damp jeans, and underwear in a bucket and filled it with water. Naked, I got in the tub and bathed. I dried myself and put back teen on the cuts. They stung, but what was a little more pain? It was the equivalent of turning a hosepipe on the Titanic. I felt a little cleaner. I drained the tub and wrapped myself in a towel. I waddled to my room and got out some band-aids. I put them on the cuts. I got dressed in a clean t-shirt and my black track pants. I was searching for a shirt to wear when I heard Dad calling. I grabbed the first shirt I could find and raced downstairs while putting it on. I didn't dare to keep him waiting. Yes, I said, arriving. Yes, I said, breathlessly arriving at the foot of the stairs. Yes, Dad. We're going out, he said. Get in the car. Yes, sir. I obediently fled to the Volkswagen. I climbed the tire, opened the door, and clambered into the passenger seat. I shut the door, put on my seatbelt, and finished buttoning my shirt. I folded my hands in my lap and looked at them quietly while Dad got, until Dad got into the driver's seat and started the car. He seemed a bit surprised at my cooperativeness. Usually I'd whine that I wanted to play. I didn't want to go on his endless errands. While I could see how the beaten me made his life easier, I couldn't help feeling that if that was what he really wanted, he could have built robots instead of having kids. My shirt was miles too big for me. Mom must have been keeping it for a growth spurt. It was brand new. The pins were still in it and I tried not to let them poke me. We went to some restaurant. Dad met his friends. I had to greet them. I didn't want Dad to yell at me for a lack of good manners, so I extended my hand and said, How do you do, sir, ma'am? And answered, Fine, thank you, even when they asked me how I was, even though I was the complete opposite of fine. They thought my too-big shirt was the funniest thing ever and made a lot of bright remarks about it. I remember thinking that it was rude to comment on someone's clothing so much, and why were kids the only ones who got punished for not being polite? I was sick of clothes by the time everyone sat down to eat. Dad had me sit at the counter away from the grown-ups so he could talk to them. He ordered me a glass of milk and a vegetable sandwich. He seemed a little sorry for what he had done, but I wasn't ready to look at or talk to him. He rubbed my hair in an attempt to be friendly, but all he did was hurt the bump the buckle had raised. My eyes stung with tears, and I gritted my teeth in an effort not to let them fall. Dad left me in the care of the waitress. She was nice and snuck me a chocolate brownie, with a wink, when Dad wasn't looking. I ate carefully, trying hard not to drop any crumbs. Behind me, everyone was going on about what a great guy Dad was. They were talking and laughing, and he was doing the same. I was staring at my food, feeling my face grow hot. My throat was so choked that I couldn't swallow for several minutes. If they knew what he had done to me this morning, and how he yelled at me and hit me, and sent me to bed without supper five days a week, and always believed the school when they called, and never once asked to hear my side of the story, they wouldn't think he was so great. Or maybe they would. Dad was everybody's hero, and I was nothing to nobody. The chocolate brownie was sweet, but I finished lunch in bitterness. I waited in silence until all the grown-ups had finished talking and laughing and saying goodbye. Some of them said goodbye to me, and I shook their hands and said the civil things I'd been trained to say. Finally, everyone was gone. Dad said we could go back to the Volkswagen. I thanked the waitress and got myself down from the chair without Dad's help. We walked in silence to the car. 
I climbed the tire and got myself in before Dad even had a chance to lift me. Like before, I folded my hands and stared at them as he started the car and pulled out of the parking lot. We drove by a lot of empty fields with grass, hay, and tumbleweeds. One stretch looked like a desert with sand, shrubby bushes, and prickly cacti. I didn't recognize the scenery and began to distrust Dad's motives. I'd heard of people dumping kids they didn't want along the highway and never coming back again. The kids, well, the ones that didn't die, were picked up by the police and taken to foster care. Was Dad going to do this to me? My eyes prickled at the thought of never seeing Mom, Stevie, or Allison again. I made myself recite the multiplication table silently as a distraction. I could not let myself cry. If Dad saw, and he would, he'd dump me then and there. I drew a breath of relief when Dad pulled into our driveway. He parked the car and then just sat there. Not wanting to risk anything, I sat there too, staring at my hands. I wasn't going to move or get down until he gave the word. He looked at me, seemed to take in what I was wearing for the first time, and asked, Where are your other clothes? In the hamper, I answered, and then added, Sir, that shirt's miles too big for you. Yes, sir. I don't know how he missed all the witticisms at lunch. After another pause, Dad said, Jason, I'm sorry for what I did to you this morning. I was suddenly free of fear, but not bitterness. I don't care that you're sorry, I said boldly. You still did it, and it still hurt. I hate you, I added for good measure. I wish I'd never had a father. I wish I'd never had a father. And then I climbed down the tire and went indoors.